0: So I asked if you've ever been picked on, and some of you said yes. And uh, since this was the first week of school, I was thinking back to two times in my life when in the context of school I was picked on. Um, The first was back in Northern Ireland. I went to a particular grammar school that, to be honest, was quite a snobbish school. And one of the aspects of that snobbery was our uniform. And... uh, If we were in uniform, it had to be perfect. So even if I was not in school, if I was riding the bus, riding the train, my uniform had to be perfect. My cap had to be perfectly straight. Like the way they wear caps these days would not have cut it, right? The cap had to be perfectly straight and sort of at the right pitch. You had to pull your socks up and that exposes the other issue. We wore short pants, can you imagine? And we had to make sure our Stocks, socks were all the way up to our knees. Um, we were not allowed to have our tie pulled down. So now you see when there are kids who have to wear uniforms, they do everything they can to not look like they're in uniform, right? So like the ties are down, The that was not go for the school that I was part of. And I lived in a different town. And in Northern Ireland, um, Towns are very insular, even though they're very close to one another. So my school was in Hollywood, and there were other schools in Bangor where we lived. And I would regularly encounter the Bangor Grammar students on my way to my school in Hollywood. And every single time I encountered them, there was a group of them, and they were not such a snobbish school. So they would look at me, and they would shout at me. They would actually shout down the street every time they saw me, snob, and it would ring in my ears so that I dreaded walking down Church Avenue where we lived because I was sure those kids were going to see me again. But I couldn't change my uniform to look like I was not snobbish because that was the way it was. We moved to Canada, and a very strange thing happened in the the sense of being ridiculed. Uh, For a while, we lived in St. Catharines. And St. Catharines, like some other parts of southern Ontario, have a lot of Mennonites. And the people at the school who were not Christian sorts of people would mock us who were Christians for being Mennonite. They wouldn't say, hey, Christian, Christian, Christian. They would say, Mennonite, Mennonite, and I didn't even know what a Mennonite was. I don't think there were any Mennonites in Ireland. And I remember thinking how strange it was that I was going to be persecuted for being a Mennonite when I wasn't even a Mennonite. So fairly silly stories, but they do talk about the fact that among humankind, sometimes there are ways that we just put ourselves at odds with one another, And some of those reasons are very sinister and very harmful. Some are just kind of innocent. But nonetheless, we find ourselves the brunt of uh, someone else's ridicule or someone else may pick on us. So the story of Esther, as Susan has already brought us into it, um, is a story that in large part has to do with someone being hated actually by someone else. So Mordecai was hated by Haman. And we will get into the character Haman in the next little while and kind of looking fun or looking forward to um, examining what kind of a sordid person this was that would do the despicable things that he did. But today we are looking at Mordecai and I want to introduce him and introduce him as um, you know if you watch very many police shows the expression person of interest comes up Change that in your head to person of influence. And what I want to do is just characterize Mordecai as a person of influence. He had enormous influence in his place in Susa, in the capital. He had enormous influence in the history of Israel. And as we have a look at that, um, I would like to just sort of track back and say, how did he get to the place in his life? where he really was an influential person. Some years ago, um, I was part of something that was held in India, and it was a gathering of people that they called the influence leaders. They were people from all over the world. And I thought it was a very strange label that was, was affixed to these people. But the point was that for whatever reason, They, in their church context, in their countries, were considered to be people of influence. Are you a person of influence? And should you try to be a person of influence? Well, it's not something that we are searching for. And in fact, if we follow the way of Jesus, we ought not to be seeking influence, so to speak, Um, We ought to be servants, we ought to be willing to be the last, we ought to be willing to be anonymous, Um, but even in that, we can sometimes find ourselves being a person of influence, that for whatever reason, um, we have an influence. And if you are a person of influence, it's important to realize that that is an opportunity that God has given you, that you must be a careful custodian of that privilege, Never take for granted that you influence other people. But if you do influence other people, and all of us do in small ways or big ways, be careful that that influence is the right kind of influence. So what was it that had um, Mordecai become in the history of Israel a very influential person? Let me take you just to introduce you to the character again, uh, back into the book of Esther. And in the book of Esther, we just hear some background historic information about Mordecai. Now there was a Jew who lived in the palace complex in Susa. His name was Mordecai, the son of Jair, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, a Benjamite. His ancestors had been taken from Jerusalem with the exiles and carried off with King Jehoiakim of Judah by King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon into exile. The next verse goes on and uh, says this. Mordecai had reared his cousin, Hadassah, otherwise known as Esther, since she had no father or mother. The girl had a good figure and a beautiful face. That's in the Bible, sorry. That's what it says. Um, After her parents died, Mordecai had adopted her. Now, all the way through the book of Esther, you'll find new information about Mordecai. He he comes and goes in the drama of the book. But um, that gets us started with Mordecai, and it brings me to the question, what, what was it that made him an influential person? What was it that made him a person of influence? And I think Susan and I have been reading the same um, commentaries, or we've been in the same study group. The word character that Susan already raised for us is the moorings um, on which the influence of Mordecai was developed, um, his character. So let me just um, fish through the story with you a little bit and tell you why I notice that he's a person of character before he's a person of influence. And had he not been a person of character, he would not have become a person of influence. It was his character that qualified him to be influential. And that's where it always begins. It's not what you do, not even what you don't do, but it's who you are that uh, forms your character and then paves the way for you to be a person of influence. There are just a few ways that I notice as I read the story. And, and as I said last week, I hope you kind of get into the story and just read it several times uh, and learn the different things that will come to mind You know, each time you read it. And with each of the characters, we'll try to sort of see the story from their viewpoint and understand why this book that never talks about God got into the Bible. First thing I notice about Mordecai's character is the way that he cared for Esther. Um, I'm not sure what it was that happened to Esther's parents or what age she was when when she lost her parents. But Mordecai, her her older cousin, um, took over her care. He adopted her and raised her. And in the text of Esther, we come across just ways that... The way that Mordecai raised Esther um, ha- has just a positive shade to it that I think reflect his character. So one of the things that I notice is that when Esther is in the process of being groomed um, to be a candidate for queen for the beauty contest, um, what do we know about Mordecai? We, we simply read this little comment that he walked back and forward in front of the palace wondering how Esther was doing. Just day by day, um, the picture we get is that Mordecai is kind of pacing back and forward, just hoping for some news about how Esther is doing. And you think, hmm, he he didn't just wonder about her, he didn't just worry about her, he didn't just hope that everything was going to be fine and he would see her sometime. But knowing where she was and some of the predicament of her being there, um, Mordecai who had raised Esther walked back and forward just in the hopes that he might hear something about Esther. In fact, in another way, when he was um, around the, the gates, uh, that's when he heard that gossip, that that um, that news um, of of an attempt or an anticipated attempt on the king's life. Um, When we hear about the way that Esther related to Mordecai, I think, again, I I see something that is about the character that he has developed. Several times we're told that Esther did exactly what Mordecai told her to do. Um, But we never get the sense that she did it out of reluctance or hardship or with a bad attitude. Um, In fact, when there were some hard things that she had to do, um, we simply read the commentary that that she did what Mordecai told her, as she always had being raised by Mordecai there 's not a hint of a rebellious spirit in esther 's heart there 's not a, a hint of resentment. Um, there is this this seemingly lovely parental care for Esther that comes from Mordecai. And you think, hmm. He did not take on the raising of a cousin as, as a burden. He took it as a privilege. He didn't take on the responsibility of raising Esther um, as something in which he would rule with a rod of iron because he was uh, actually engendering in Esther a soft spirit. And when, when life was extremely challenging for her, and she wasn't quite sure what, what she should be doing. She had been so sort of prepared by the way that Mordecai raised her that she would take counsel from him and was willing to get to the point of saying, Mordecai, you're right. If I perish, I perish. Another thing that I noticed about his character is this whole notice or of... of um, the impending assassination account that he sends into the palace to Esther and via Esther to the king. Um, Who was Mordecai? Where did he come from? Um, He was from Jerusalem. Probably he himself was not taken captive it was probably his great-grandfather and there's some dispute over what it means but if you if you figure out the years and when this all happened if Mordecai came from Jerusalem deported with the others by the time he was raising Esther he was in his hundreds so you know more power to him if he becomes a loving caregiver at a hundred some years old, but I think he probably wasn't. It was probably his great-grandfather that is referred to in the text as having been deported from Jerusalem. That being the case, um, who was Mordecai? Mordecai was from the the people that were deported, who were taken from their home and were raised, trained, and shaped in a new culture. Um, Here's Mordecai, and his memory, probably through parents and grandparents and all the way to a great-grandparent, is that the Jews were treated terribly unfairly, that they were dragged away from all that was meaningful to them. And whether it was the Babylonians or the Persians or other um, nations that came later on, um, these were all... They were all uh, power brokers above the Jewish people. The Jewish people were subservient to these nations. So here's this Jewish person, Mordecai, and he is just minding his own business, wondering how Esther is doing, and he hears about the plot. What would your thoughts be if you were Mordecai and from Mordecai's background? It might simply come to your mind Um, to think more power to them. Let them kill Xerxes. What do I care? In fact, Xerxes now is the latest iteration of an oppressor. So what is it to me that they're going to kill this guy? But the character of Mordecai wasn't happy with that. He had a very wise perspective on um, the way he understood his situation and his faith. So he very clearly was a person of Jewish faith and an influential person in the Jewish community. But he was living in a foreign land. And he was living under the control, under the rule of a foreign king. And he did what the law would have said to Israelites that when they were in a place that was not theirs, they were to respect the new, country in which they lived they were to um they were to pray for the welfare of that country and that people and that city so here's mordecai and again looking for what is it that qualifies him for influence the character of mordecai says it's wrong to assassinate a ruler it's wrong to kill a king so even though as susan said it may be at his own peril He passed the word along through to Esther so that she could do something about it. And you think, okay, Mordecai is a person of influence. Um, But he's a person of influence because he has grown a character um, that prepares him almost incrementally for great things that he will do. And he later, along with Esther, becomes the hero. Um, who save the human the, the uh, Jewish nation character was at the bottom of it all um, his allegiance to the Jewish people um, was such that when he heard about the plot that Haman had, um, he was found in sackcloth and ashes on the streets, uh, wailing over the the demise of Israel that he f- Expected was just around the corner if Haman had his way So he was a person of, of thorough faith He was a person who had the proper respect In the context in which he now find himself And he was a person just whose personal character As a caregiver for his, his adopted cousin um, is, is just stellar he, he loves her and cares for her And provides wisdom to her uh, when she is in a precarious situation and, and, and a very um, opportune situation uh, given the things that happen as we go through the rest of the story. Character is at the beginning of being a person of influence. After the character, there are just two other C's that briefly I'll uh, mention as we, we go past. Um, that when a, when a person's character is solid, then the costs that follow um, may be more manageable, um, may be more acceptable as the person uh, is on the bedrock of a good character. And so when life is hard um, and there are things that need to be done that are hard things that need to be done, that person may be able to count the cost. If it's someone without character they will not count the cost. They will just—it will not matter to them enough to count the cost. Um, Mordecai was willing for the cost. Uh, he knew that his life was in danger. Um, he didn't go hide from being Jewish. He didn't go wail in the corner of his house. He was on the streets, um, just wailing over the. The potential demise of his, his very people. so he was willing for the cost. He was, as Susan said, willing that there may be a cost even for Esther. And you know that Esther was his, his child, the child of his heart, if not the child um, that was his physically. And so he knew that the cost could be great. He also knew that the cost would be enormous for the Jewish people. And so because of the bedrock of the character that began all of this, um, he was willing for the cost. And then he boldly walked into his circumstances. So becoming a person of influence, I think, begins with being a person of character, then being able to count the cost and be willing for the cost, and then to present yourself into the circumstances in which you find yourself and do so, with the kind of um, resilience that has been developed by all of the things that you have been into and all of the things that have happened to you as well. Are you a person of influence? Um, If so, it very likely is because you have begun by building a good character. If not, it could be because there's something deficient in character, so you might wanna go back there and say, What should I have developed differently to become the person that I should to influence a situation or influence people around me? And then again, as you back up from where you are now, what costs have been presented in the opportunities before you in the circumstances of your life? And are there costs that you have not been willing to pay, that you should be willing to pay? in order to have the influence for God, for the kingdom of God, that he really intends for you to have. Is Mordecai a hero in the story? Absolutely. He is a good guy. He, along with Esther, are the two heroes of the story. And we will have fun looking at Haman and wondering what in the world was going on in his head and in his heart. Uh, Again, Susan has introduced us to that, so I encourage you to look back and say, why did Haman hate Mordecai so much? What is all this about the Amalekites and King Agag and all of that kind of thing? And there's some other people who come along in the story as well that we will have a look at. But today, just a very simple question. Um, Am I a person of influence? Should I be? Am I trying to be? The answer should be no, except in the best way. Um, where is the opportunity for my influence? Um, am I speaking um, with the wisdom that has been developed in my life? Or do I shrink back instead of giving that wisdom? And um, Mordecai is a, a great example of someone who was who given an audience by Esther, by the Jewish people, even by the king himself. Um, and finally, he was he's given an ironic audience from Haman, who um, is led in just um, a, a parade of errors as he uh, basically um, makes his bed and needs to lie in it. So we'll look forward to studying Haman as well as the weeks go by.